Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC welcome to Mr. Brad Murray. How you doing, Brad? Doing great, Tyler. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm going to dive right in. We're going to talk about two subjects today that up to meeting you guys, I really didn't put them together. You know, uh, natural Alberta's natural gas industry and produce. And for anyone listening, if they went and they want to do a little double take, maybe that's okay because I, I certainly did. But you are the founder at Enermerge, and you guys have a really unique, not only the business that you do, but also an opportunity for Albertans to get involved, which we'll talk about a little bit today, what I'm quite excited about. But before we go any further, like, let's jump in the elevator. I love the old elevator pitch story. We've got 30 floors. Tell us a little bit what Enermerge is all about, and uh, we'll pick up the conversation from there. Well, Tyler, thanks. Um, Enermerge's story of integrating, um, leveraging off of some unique aspects of, of Alberta. In other words, we're leveraging off uh, our natural gas resource, our infrastructure, both gas systems, gas gathering, gas pipelines, and our electrical infrastructure. And then we add the layer of agriculture. Um, mm -hmm. Traditionally, all the I just mentioned three industries to you there, um, <coughs> natural gas, <laughs> electricity, and agriculture. Traditionally, they all work in their own. They're in their own kind of silos and doing their own kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What we're doing is bringing them all together, in fact, physically together on the same site. And by working together, we're creating um, some synergies that that we didn't know or really that, that existed before. And in a, it, it makes all three initiatives stronger. Okay, so again, so so many so many questions, Brad. Like, what at the end of the day, what's the, what? Let's talk about them. Like, I really like what you said. We've got natural gas over here. We've got electrical. And we've got ag. Bringing them all together. What's the ultimate output here? Like, you guys, you know, a little bit of maybe we'll get into the history, but to do what? Like, what is the ultimate problem we're solving or the benefit that we're kind of providing to Albertans through through bringing these these three things that we all know as standalones, but putting them onto one onto one site? I like how you said that. 
Um, but there, there might be three factors there. Uh, one's yeah. local. Um, for example, with the agriculture, the, what we're integrating with at the moment is greenhouses, commercial scale produce greenhouses, peppers and cucumbers and tomatoes. Um, okay. We want to bring that, make that more of a local. Um, we import, Alberta imports most of its produce uh, throughout the year, um, and in the winter, almost all of it. And there's opportunity for us to self-supply a lot more and maybe even ultimately someday export some. Um, okay. That's That brings the local piece up to it. The the economics of it, uh, the, um, to make electricity, we use natural gas and there's typically some waste byproducts. There's extra heat that comes off the engines. Uh, there's exhaust CO2 that gets emitted into the atmosphere. By integrating, uh, we recover that waste heat, we recover that exhaust emissions, and we use that in the greenhouse. So um, not only is it a local drive here to, to use our own resource and then make our own product, mm -hmm. um, but we, we can drive the economics of, of, the, of this business so that we can compete better on a global scale. And, and we're also doing the right thing from a CO2 emissions perspective. So right now, currently, and I've heard some numbers, but I want to, before I state, I want to confirm, like the peppers, cucumbers, and tomatoes, to what, do, like how much are you being able to put into the supply or meet, meet the demands of Albertans? Are you guys able to provide 30%, 40%, 70%? Like what, what does it look like now versus where we could be if it was the, back to your 100% and then maybe a net exporter? <laughs> so the, the greenhouse that we've partnered with, they, um, for example, three Two years ago, they were producing two to four acres of peppers, and there was a few okay. other pepper producers around the province, um, still are, and but I would say, again, these are just real rough numbers, but on average, we might have been meeting ten percent of the Alberta demand okay. overall over the year. Um, uh, so we've now uh, our greenhouse partner. Uh, built a 13-acre expansion last year and is just bringing on a second 13-acre expansion right now. Another, oh, wow. another 26 acres of pepper production for Alberta. I, we're going to, I, you know, we're now, we're supplying a lot of, you'll be surprised um, when you eat a pepper in Alberta, it's a good chance it's coming from uh, our greenhouses. Um, we have contract with Costco now and, and so on, um, and a bunch of small farmers markets and um, but, you know, my, my gut sense would be that on average, maybe we're meeting 50, 60%, 50% of our own supply now. Okay. And that's only been over the last couple of years, like a, a relatively short period of time in the, in the scale of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So let's... For, so from a, from a consumer's perspective, we're understanding the output. We're getting more local produce. In our, you know, in our province, less transportation, less getting shipped across the country or from the other, uh, the, the other end of, of, of North America sometimes, depending on our winter months. We're getting stuff here year-round. Walk us through the logistics of it. Like, let's, let's, geek, let's go down, let's geek out a little bit. So I'm on site here, and I've got this natural gas facility, and I've got a greenhouse that are sitting beside each other. Walk me through a little bit, or walk our audience through, like, how do those actually come together to produce this output, which is ending up on my table as an Albertan? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the way we've structured it in our, our facility is is focused around the Gull Lake area, um, uh, just north of Red Deer. So, okay. like, 
take the site for example we we intentionally well it was fortunate because there were, the existing greenhouse was in the area and there was a fair number of natural gas wells uh, around it um, so what we did is uh, we purchased the gas fields um, there's three or four producers we, we we bought them all out and then reconfigured the system to work for us um, so we ended up owning the natural gas wells uh, around the greenhouse so we would pipe the natural gas uh, directly to the site so uh, we weren't using any you know uh, infra um, big infrastructure so we minimize our cost to get in the very little cost directly from the wellhead to our site with the natural gas mm -hmm. we put it in a, a, a generator um, and so we combust the natural gas and it creates electricity um, I mean they're, they're basically really big truck engines um, okay we're, we're standing one, one and a half megawatts each they're big but we combust natural gas and it makes electricity and as a byproduct we have exhaust just like the exhaust coming out of your vehicle um, and then we've got heat just like the heat comes off the hood of your car kind of thing so we capture that heat okay. and we capture that exhaust it has to go through a, a catalytic reactor so we the the raw exhaust coming off the engine we, we treat it uh, selective catalytic reactor and um, clean it up basically so any nitrous okay. oxides or is it kind of like the catalytic converter on your car it, am i like since we're, we, you're, you're pulling me down the car analogy road yeah. so i'll keep going with you on that yeah it's a it's a big version of that exactly right okay um it. except it's a it's bigger and, and more intense because because we're feeding this to the the plant because we're feeding this to the plants uh we got to make sure that it's perfectly clean we don't want to okay. contaminate the plant so it's we put a lot of effort we monitor it to make sure that we are in fact cleaning everything out of it that we need to so then we have a clean stream of carbon dioxide nitrogen and a little bit of oxygen a little bit of uh, water vapor we we cool that down because it's pretty hot when it comes out of the engine so we cool that down mm -hmm. and the heat that we capture while we're cooling it we use that to create hot water and that hot water circulates to the greenhouse to keep the greenhouse warm and now this cooler exhaust we feed in and we run throughout the greenhouse because we we need to increase the carbon dioxide level in the greenhouse maybe two two and a half times from what normal atmosphere is um, okay to grow optimally and I'm, I'm curious and this may be a very ignorant my old uh, chemistry teacher would be would be ashamed to be for asking this question does this create an environment where humans are able to function like normally or does it require is it a sealed environment or do i need like respirator style and sorry it's probably a silly question but I'm, I'm picturing this room that now is being flooded with this gas to raise it to a certain level i'm assuming we can't as humans function in that environment yeah no we i mean um I think our, our normal environment, the CO2 levels, I mean, it's 350 parts per million, something like that. Um, okay. And we raise it up about eight, 900, maybe sometimes 1,000 parts per million. But even at 1,000 okay. parts per million, it, it's perfectly safe. Uh, you don't you don't notice oh, okay, it. okay, interesting. All right. Once, if you were to push it up. But the, but, the, but the plants love it. You're giving them basically jet fuel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, what I find interesting as I started learning more about this is that you know that you know eight nine hundred for you know for the pepper plants for example that's what they've evolved to want that's their optimal growing position right so we, we're just feeding them what they're optimally evolved to, 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 to take so 
So, so if I'm growing a pepper plant in my garden, sorry to be really literal on this, it's going to either the amount of volume it'll produce, the size, the quality, the nutrient levels, all those things are going to be less because existing out in, out in the wild, if you will, it's not getting what it optimally needs from a CO2 perspective to actually perform at its best. That, that's correct. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, and is it different? I know I'm going way down the rabbit hole. So cucumbers, uh, tomatoes and peppers, do you have a unique formula for each one or is it universal or do they all have their own space and their own uh, formulation? They've all got their, they've all got their own space. Like you say, in their own formulation, like they all need different types of nutrients. Um, but, uh, you know, for example, peppers and cucumbers, we, we generally give them the same CO2 levels. Okay. So, uh, again, to be blunt, this sounds like a very capital-intensive adventure. You know, you took a two to four-acre, you know, uh, greenhouse operation, took it up to 26. You also took, you know, you purchased the natural gas wells. And we all know if you've spent any time in Alberta, natural gas prices weren't great a few years ago. So there was probably some opportunity there, which I'm sensing. But also you had to bring this facility to bear and like construct it and build it. Was this technology that you evolved through like, hey, I believe this is what we need to do? Or were you able to kind of one, learn from another jurisdiction and say, okay, I see what they're doing here. I think we can do it in Alberta because we have this, we have the Alberta advantage. We have these things here that are at our fingertips. And, you know, how did you kind of get to that point? And like from from a capital were expensive how was it to fund this this thing were people beating down your door to to fund and support this idea or was it quote-unquote a bit of a harebrained scheme <laughs> that worked out <laughs> well you know i you know i I'd, I'd, I'd say i'd kind of just describe it as we've taken a bunch of pieces that have been known like i don't think we've okay. reinvented the wheel on anything specific but i think okay. what we've probably done is is maybe integrated to a higher level um, I mean, for example, catalytic reactors, like you say, they're on your cars. Um, that technology is there, although it's still evolving. They're still trying to make 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 it better for the specific application. Cogeneration, it's been around where where you capture the waste heat. The oil sands use that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what we've done is 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 the level of integration. And you know, like in, in Europe, okay. where energy's been expensive for a long time. They've been adopting cogen in greenhouses for for a long time. And in fact, that's where we bought okay. some of the technology. Um, but what's particularly unique about what we're doing is is the full integration from from gas wellhead right to making the pepper. Um, these these processes of technologies individually, like cogen in the oil sands, um, um, selective catalytic reactors in your cars. They, they've all been doing their own little thing in their own area, but uh, our, our challenge was to bring it all together and to bring it all together on the same site. Um, that's where we created the real savings, right? Um, I mean, we, we could buy and, and own a gas well, put it into the main trunk line system, um, and then buy it back. Um, but there's a whole bunch of cost in that. So we just, we go right from the wellhead right into our generators. So we eliminate all those, those, those middle costs. Um, I mean, what we've, what we found and what, What's probably been probably part of the real exciting part is is uh, just the integration level because a typical cogen uh, that you might see say at a power plant here in Calgary for example they would just hook up to the local gas utility and the gas utility was responsible for making sure it got enough gas at the right time at the right pressure um, but now here we are operating where the gas well is directly hooked up to our power plant so 
um, you know, so like for our operators, for example, they'll be sitting there, they'll be fine tuning the, the, the cogen generators, make sure they get the right power out, making sure they're making the right amount of heat. And, and we might have an upset in the gas well. So they've got to run out and tune up the gas well. Um, so what, what's been really interesting is, is just seeing the whole, the whole picture, you know, and, you know, right to the point where our operator might be in, in one minute, he's turning a valve on the gas well uh, the next minute he's adjusting a heat exchanger flow rate and at the next minute he's out um, looking at how much co2 is making it into the greenhouse and and talking to the greenhouse operators the greenhouse operators will say you know we need more or less co2 we need more or less co uh, heat um, so what it becomes is it become not only are you operating a power plant you're operating a gas field and you're operating a greenhouse all working together so it makes for a very interesting dynamic um, but that's but where that the most most importantly is what I'm hearing is but you're all on the same team while doing it <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so interesting and and how long has this been up in like again I know last couple of years sounds like so when did you guys get this kind of fully operational where you're like hey this is working like we've now got our concept and like you said I love what you I love what you said I love that innovation of like we didn't take new parts we just bolted them together in a bit of a new way and I really like that and I, I like the level of innovation because it feels like yeah there's risk but each part on its own has been already tested and tried and kind of not like perfected has been used in different environments so we know the cogen we know these things will work but you know the putting them all together and will we get the efficiencies we need it, it, it was slightly de-risked because of that. And from from getting that up and running, what's been the timeline? Like how long have you, would you say now that, yeah, we've been operational and we've just been like perfecting and streamlining this thing? So um, just a little bit on my background. I, I you know, I've, I've worked for some of the big companies, uh, Suncor and Canon, TransCanada Pipeline. Okay. That's where I got a lot of my early ideas. And then about 17 years ago, I, uh, I co-founded company called just free old energy and we were all about the gas so we were busy developing gas production um, when natural gas price uh, dropped um, and stayed there for a while we decided well we got to do something different so at one of our sites we did a very small generator two simple 250 kilowatt or four 250 kilowatt generators we parked them right next to one of our gas wells and said hey let's see if we can make electricity um, so after hmm. six months or so, we go, yeah, we can make electricity. Um, so that particular plant, we made it a bit bigger. Uh, we acquired more gas wells around that. And then we did the same thing at a plant near Lacombe. Uh, and then we said, okay, great. We've, we figured out how to do the gas and we figured out how to make it into electricity and we figured out how to get it onto the grid and all that piece. Uh, and then our next question is, well, with, you know, with CO2 and, uh, you know, climate change and so on we go well we got to be responsible with our exhaust I reached out to the old college and said hey you know we're looking to continue doing cogen and uh, we'd like to add the piece where we do something useful with our carbon dioxide um, the first thing he pointed out is well you should grow roses because they 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 they, they take up the most carbon of, of, of any oh interesting any plant. Okay. I said, well that'd be great um, but he says you know there's a very um, uh, forward-thinking group the Dew family uh, near Gull Lake, and taught, you should talk to them. I think they'd be open to this. So, so we talked to them, and they go, absolutely. If you can provide us with waste carbon dioxide and give us some heat while you're at it, and our electricity, uh, interesting. That's where it all came together. So that was so we'd done two prior power plants, and then our third one, we were gonna we we ramped it up. We said, okay, we know how to do 
gas, we know how to do power. Now let's recover the CO2 and heat and integrate it with a greenhouse. And so then we did that, and then we expanded that. So we got two power plants now uh, connected into the greenhouse. And um, yeah. Okay, so this has been brewing and evolving. I appreciate the evolution because it's always looked. At, it's always easy to look at where we've arrived and we're here, and this is the thing. And yeah, you know the the, the twenty year overnight success stories, which there's lots of those around. But this for you has been a journey of being in the industry and and again forced innovation by the industry changing, which is a price factor and going. Well, okay, well here's what do we know? What our expertise and how can we use it in in other ways? And then finding which I, I love the Alberta stories. Well, I got introduced to this group and that group, and we were both open to it, and we came together. And so when the, when did the first CO2 enter the, the, the way CO2 entered the um, greenhouse environment? Like was that five years ago, eight years ago, 10? It was about uh, two and a half, three years ago. That we, okay, that we, so, fairly, so fairly recent. Yeah, yeah. And um, just so, if I could just, just add a little bit. Um, Please. What, um, just how, how I kind of got into this a little bit. Prior to this, uh, I would I was doing some work with uh, Suncor and some of the oil sands companies, and I I was working with them um, on an X Prize. Um, you might have heard about X okay. Prize, but yep. there was yes, basically a million dollars was going to be awarded to any company that could come up with a really neat technology uh, to use waste CO two for something good. And um, so I spent I was working with the group, and I spent uh, a good year looking around the world trying to see where um, what kind of technologies might come our way as part of this prize. Um, I spent a lot of time, and there's all kinds of ways you can use CO2 for things, but most of them take more energy than <laughs> than you'll realize out of it. So it's a okay. net negative for most instances. And um, towards the, the end of my work there, I, w- I had an opportunity to meet with a professor at the University of, Ber- of Alberta, and I was, I was saying, you know, it's kind of frustrating. you got this low-energy CO2, and you want to do something with it, but it's really hard to find something good to do with it. And he says, you know, you got to let the plants do the work. It's got to be biological. Hmm. You can't, us humans can't start thinking we're going to do some chemical reaction in our backyard and so on. It's plants are set up to take carbon and do something good with it. So, so that's that's what led me to my discussion with Coles College. Was I said, okay, we got to treat, uh, capture this CO2 exhaust, and let the plants do the work. For example. We clean up the exhaust and we convert, say, nitri- any nitrous oxides that might be in the stream, we convert to nitrogen, which is harmless. And then we feed the combined CO2 and nitrogen to the plants. The plants absorb the CO2 and they just let the nitrogen go. So the plants actually separate the exhaust for us. Whereas if you were to buy a pure CO2, which is available, there are companies that, provide, that produce pure CO2 carbon dioxide. And it's a fairly involved process to separate. Like, so for example, if you take air and you want to just separate the carbon dioxide from it, it's a fairly expensive process. So what we're doing is we say, we're not going to bother. We're just going to let the plants separate it for us. So. I love the idea of, or just the, the dichotomy of like how much it takes for us to do it, the us being humans, to do it quote unquote manually for something that nature just does naturally. Yeah, yeah. Follow, talk about following the path of less of lesser resistance. <laughs> That's right. And I'm, ass, I'm assuming also that talent, uh, human capital, the people you needed to help put this together 
you know, when you think natural gas, electric, uh, electrical, and ag, these are all fairly strong uh, industries in our province. So I would imagine this was, you didn't, the, I'm curious that your talent or the people you needed to make these things happen were also homegrown in the sense that we, these were all skills that we had here as part of, versus having to import talent from around the world to figure out these problems. These are things that on their own, on their standalone, Albertans had already figured out. Is that, is that I'm, I'm making that assumption, is that correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, you know, we might not see it every day, but we've got a lot of expertise in Alberta. Hmm. You know, a lot of it was driven, well, it's been driven by all industries. Ag, that's been driving it. And, you know, a robust energy industry for a long time has created a lot of expertise. No question. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just utilizing that. And so we got a, we got a good, highly trained workforce of people around. No question. Um, one other thing that is creating an advantage here in Alberta is for what we're doing on the integration side is the deregulation model that Alberta has. Okay. Um, like mm-hmm. the natural gas business, it's been pretty much deregulated for, for maybe for a long time, maybe forever that I can remember. Um, we deregulated the electrical business here a decade, couple, de- couple decades ago. Um, so rather than just a monopoly running it that's regulated, uh, it's now a free enterprise for the most part on the generation side. Um, you know, and obviously agriculture, like for example, the, the greenhouse business, it's 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 not regulated. Um, well, safety and all that, right? But it's free free private enterprise. So what we ended up having is we got three industries that we can bring together in an innovative way, um, and mm. we can we can generate onto the grid. Uh, whereas a lot of jurisdictions around the world, um, the electricity is is regulated, so you couldn't just do that. You couldn't just decide hey I'm going to put a power plant here and 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 create electricity for the grid and for for Albertans the government would have to mm-hmm. invite you to do that um, and a lot of places in the world natural gas is regulated also so by being deregulated here it enables us to do this kind of innovation thing here in Alberta that's an interesting concept so thinking about this like great idea also was a coming together of, of certain factors that you know, we couldn't go and set this up in Ontario, say, because they have a different re- regulation regulatory system around uh, some of these pillars. Uh, interesting. So a, a really good example of, you know, Alberta creating the uh, fertile ground, uh, pun intended, to be able to, to, to grow an idea like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. So absolutely. from that, I'm always curious. I love I love the idea of being a net exporter of, of vegetables, or to you know specifically, we've hey, we've got everything we need here. It's all grown locally. Now we can start supporting our neighbors. What about exporting this as an idea or as a, as a way of doing things? Have you had inquiries from other like jurisdictions globally where companies are like, hey, we really want to learn more about how you guys pulled this together? Like we, we really like this idea. Mm-hmm. Um. Well. You know, I guess we're still pretty young, and I think maybe not okay. a lot of people yeah. really know 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 about us too too much. Uh, we're starting to get known in Alberta a little bit. <clears throat> We've, um, for sure. I mean, this there's there's this opportunity to, you know, wherever there's a natural a fuel source, there's an opportunity to do this. And you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if we'd be so much exporting technology, so to speak, but I think we'd be we could export the. Uh, uh, the know-how and the the way to integrate. It's not necessarily easy, way, like you said, bringing yeah three different all, ways of thinking together, together right? Um, <laughs> you make it sound easy, Brad. That's the trick here. You're making it sound like it just kind of all fell into place, which we all know that that's not how these things come together. 
you uh, I, I did mention earlier I want to circle back to it because I think it's important and I know that you guys are currently in a process of putting this out as an investment as an opportunity for Albertans to take part how's and I have a lot of people on the show from startups to to investors talking about this this investment ecosystem we have in Alberta and how mature it is in some areas and really young in others from a raising money and like getting capital to do this thing how was how was that process for you guys as a quote-unquote like back as a startup thinking about hey we've got this great idea we're, we're pretty sure it's going to work all the different pieces are been tested was it able is it easy to get funding is it something you guys had to kind of bootstrap on your own i'm just just curious how the market from an investment perspective responded to this idea uh we've had good um everybody we talked to loves the idea you know and i I guess it's not that difficult to understand and and I it's a it's a good it's a good news story for for what we're doing in Alberta um, what we're looking for is is the um, the right type of investor and we would like this we'd really like this to become an Alberta story like we're you know I kind of came out of Calgary uh, working in the oil and gas business and the power business uh, obviously, our operations now are centered around Gull Lake, uh, around uh, so now a, a big agricultural uh, feel to the whole operation. Um, what we're what we what we really want to do is make this a, a homegrown Alberta opportunity. Um, it, I mean, the natural gas is is all of Alberta's. Every Albertan. Natural gas is ultimately owned by Albertans, so when we produce it out of the ground, we pay a royalty, and we pay a royalty to the government, which all Albertans benefit from. So it's 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 an Albertan resource. Um, you know the, the 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 power infrastructure that we hook into, so we we generate electricity, and it it supplies people's homes. Like we supply a good part of Lacombe City of Lacombe's electricity, and we hope to supply more. Um, but the integrated grid, that's something that all Albertans have invested in over the years. Um, when you pay your power bill, you're investing in, in the infrastructure that brings power from power plants to your house. Um, and, and food, you know. Uh, I think we got to look more carefully where, where our food's coming from. Uh, we, I mean, we got a little eye-opener with the shortages around, around with when COVID started out, right? So I think we have to be responsible and realize that, you know, we can and we should make more of our own food. Um, so it, it, it's really all about Albertans. And, you know, the next piece would be for Albertans to be part owners of, of this whole thing. So if you're going to support buying local produce, you're going you're gonna to use electricity that we generate to heat your home, for example. Um, and what we're doing uh, is a, uh, we're doing it environmentally friendly in terms of carbon. That's another thing that I think all Albertans should support. So what we'd, what we'd really like is we'd like all Albertans to be part of our company. So in, in, in doing that, obviously it's not walk into the bank, get one check, walk out, you're done. It's you got to talk. No, it's a lot of conver It's a lot of conversations with a lot of people. It's a lot of conversations, <laughs> a lot of people, right? And um, but that that's where we're, we're we're taking this, and we'd like um, you know rather than one big check coming out of New York or Toronto or London, we'd like a whole bunch of investors from around here. That's what we're trying to do. I, I, I really I really appreciate it. Well, we can all connect to it. I really like how you laid that out. Well, let's talk about the royalties that come off the natural gas. 
that's all of you know being entitled to is being an Albertan. So thinking about it, are these individual investors, private personal investors? Like, because I'm also because you guys are playing in the energy sector, you're also playing in ag. Like sometimes like investors group themselves in different areas in terms of like, well, I'm really comfortable investing in energy, so I go over here. Or no, I've been invested in ag or ag tech or whatever's happening here. When you're having conversations with people, is it a little bit challenging because you are in a few different buckets, or do they ultimately, like you said, it's a fairly easy story to get? I'm just curious. Like we all invest where we're more comfortable but you're bridging like you step over a few different industries to bring them all together so you probably have some really interesting investor conversations i'm imagining um, are you an energy company are you an ag company are you agree what are you doing like who are you how can i put you in a bucket <laughs> yeah yeah you know um all, all those things <laughs> all those things you know probably the more financially like the more like like the financial analyst types that we talk to you know yeah. that you know do this maybe for a living or they Busy. They got big spreadsheets wrapped up around everything. Um, they're the they're, they're probably ones that get more challenged because they've 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 taken their head down this path of just understanding gas or just understanding ag or yeah. Um, okay. You know, uh, I'd say the you know a bunch of our investors to this point, um, um, they, they they get the integration for sure, and and okay. they and they get the idea that it's something good for for all Albertans it's not necessarily good just for one piece it's um and it's mm -hmm. so it's, it's you're right it's the it's the it's the integration and it's the diverse diversity that's that's the strength but it's also the complication and um but <laughs> the strength is often the thing that gets you to right no i understand that yeah like, like but, I, but like you said it's that's what i love about the end result being produce like that's something you it's not a stretch to wrap my head around that and the idea of buy local you know, eat local, support local, lower your footprint. That, that's the, the media and the world around us is already doing a really good job telling that story. You know, you don't have to tell that story. You just have to show that you haven't, there's an option for us as Albertans to get it in our own backyard, which you don't always think about peppers, tomatoes, and cucumbers 24, you know, 365 days a year in Alberta. As it's minus 35 out here this morning as we're talking on them right now. Well, I don't think tomatoes. It's not the first thing pops in my mind when I walk out my back door. Well, that's right. That's right. And, you know, and we live in a cold climate here, generally speaking. And, I mean, that's the reason we haven't grown our own produce, really. for, And that's why we import a lot of it. But, um, in creating our energy, our electricity, and our heating for our houses and so on, we create a lot of waste heat, and most of it just just, just disappears off into the atmosphere, right? So, all we need to do is capture a bunch of the heat that we're already wasting, and and now we got the heat, so now we can envision ourselves as if we're in Mexico, and we can compete head on because we're using a heat that heat that otherwise would have been wasted. So it's a very low cost. I appreciate that you're, you're you're already using something that's it's it's not a net new and putting all that chemical energy in to create that new heat and you know energy to moves around that kind of mindset where what you're taking is and then allowing nature to do what they do naturally. I really liked how you made that comparison. Like this would take us a significant uh, amount of input and outputs and operation to do it, but the plants just do it naturally. Just let them do their thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love how I love how simple you la you laid that out. I, I don't know. Sometimes it's easy to overcomplicate things. So I'm curious as an investor and kind of I'm pulling on this thread a little. Bit, 
aerobics I'm interested in it. Um, I'm a private investor. I, you know, get involved even from an RSP or TFSA perspective. And is this a dividend paying? Is this something that I get? Like, how would I, as an, as, a, as an individual looking at this, because getting bought into the be part of something in Alberta, like that's a great story. And I think that that resonates pretty quickly. But if I go back a few more layers, I guess, uh, any more particulars on like, how would that work for an actual investor? Like what's that, what's that return look like? Yeah, so we're, we we've set this business up as a dividend paying business. So, okay. um, you know, and the nice thing about what we're doing through Intermerge, so Intermerge is supporting it. It's put investment into the greenhouse. It's put investment into the uh, gas and power, and as a result, the uh, income coming into Intermerge is multifaceted. So we're gonna Intermerge gets. Uh, a share of revenue from selling peppers and cucumbers, lettuce. It gets a share of income from uh, electricity that got sold. A share of income from heat that was captured and sold into the greenhouse. Um, and, a, and a share of uh, natural gas that we have in excess over what we need for our generators that we sell into the market. So we, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you what kind of the what the formula was like versus what you had access to versus what you used, and knowing the price of natural gas has improved as of, as of recently, that's probably shifted the the revenue model in a positive direction. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, we've we've we view it as you know we want we would like to have enough natural gas reserves to support our generation, um, but mm -hmm. we always have a little extra. So that little extra we sell and it's extra profit. Yeah. So so it's multiple revenue streams, which again gets back to the the diversity and and it's an interesting diversification model because if if an investor were to look at you know a sort of a typical way your stockbroker might try to diversify your portfolio he said okay you could why don't you go invest some money in caterpillar why don't you go invest some money in Telus? and he kind of diversifies it and says okay now you've got a portfolio so if the telecom industry goes down well you know the manufacturing industry might be okay so you diversify your risk We've accomplished to a level the same thing, but what we've also r realized, and not just diversity in the, in the businesses and the commodities, but by integrating them on the same site, we've created cost savings um, that you can't realize in a, just a stock portfolio diversification. So, because mm. um, you control the the the, the, the you're, you're controlling your own supply chain right through to your needs to your execution right from the wellhead. I really like how you laid that out. That's a rare that's a rare occurrence where it is all that tightly linked. You literally you've got me picturing this tech technician checking the, the greenhouse, going over to the well, checking the sensors over here, like literally being the kind of the master of that whole chain of events from the well right through to the to the to the pepper <laughs> to the plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Interesting. And is this a continued expansion plan? Like, it sounds like you've just brought online, you said you just over the last couple of years brought online 26 more acres of greenhouses, which I, I, I grew up on a farm. I know what a 26 acre field looks like. That's a lot of greenhouses. That's a fairly big footprint for anybody who doesn't can't picture 26 acres in their mind. And so from you guys, from a time frame, just to give us maybe a little bit forward facing in terms of in terms of the roadmap, is it to continue to, to grow this out? Or have you kind of, this has been a big expansion and you're going to run this for a couple of years? What's, what's the future look like if we were going to pull out the crystal ball a little bit? Yeah, I mean, adding twenty six acres uh, is a is a fairly big expansion. So we built mm -hmm. there was power generation that was built to support that. Also, um, we pre built uh, we built the greenhouse in a butterfly style. It's called so we put a sort of the packing assembly area right in the middle, 
and then we kind of have okay. four wings off of each corner. So we're, hmm. we've basically built it out so that we can do um, uh, four 13-acre greenhouses. We've now got two. And we're gonna. Ah, I see. Okay, I like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're gonna produce. Never heard explained as a butterfly, but I'm, of course now I'm picturing a butterfly very, very literally in my mind. I imagine everybody is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've got two bolted on. You've got your center. Pl- you've got your center processing facility. You've got two wings on one side. You've got room for two more wings on the other side. Yeah, oh, we have the land, and and it's all set to go. So, uh, you know, with this last expansion just coming on, we're just gonna start planting it next week. Actually, uh, we'll. We'll let it operate for a year. Uh, you know, twenty-six okay. acres of produce into the—that's a big, a big bump into the market. So we're going to let the mm-hmm. market settle out here for a year or so, um, and then, so a year, two years, we will probably looking at doing another thirteen-acre expansion. Oh, that's yeah. exciting! And um, so with, teach teacher 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 market that they don't have to import their certain produce from out of province anymore that they can have the conveniently located in their backyard. Because <laughs> you're right, you're pretty well positioned between Edmonton and Calgary and a whole bunch of little towns in between. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Um, so the the original uh, greenhouse that was 11 acres that was originally um, most of it has grow lights in it. So uh, the way that okay. works is we we do a counter cycle. So if you don't have lights in your greenhouse, you'll you plant them about this time of year, and they peak in the middle of summer, and then they're kind of done by November. When you put grow lights in your greenhouse, you can you can switch that cycle. So rather than all your produce peaking in June, July, August, you can have the peaking in November, December, January, mm. and. Which I'm assuming June, July, and August is when most other competitors or producers are also peaking. So then you get this flood abundance, you know, an embarrassment of riches. But then all, all of a sudden winter comes along and you can't get good fresh produce anymore without importing it. Yeah, exactly. So um, so we're, we're looking at adding grow lights to our expansions just to, to provide that okay. so that we can uh, so we can supply Alberta throughout the year, um, even even in the dark December months so <laughs> the dark yeah. the leading the days are getting longer right now we're in we're in february right now and it already is a noticeable difference <laughs> five and five thirty in the afternoon is a lot more enjoyable than it was a month a month ago it's ultimately what i've heard loud and clear and I, I love this story and i'm really happy to be able to share it with our audience because the whole point of the show is getting people to realize things that are amazing things that are going on in our province that don't always make it on everybody's radar and you like you said you're fairly new but the last few years I, i'm assuming this is going to be a lot more you're going to get a lot more media and a lot more exposure here on the in the future because you're taking things we're already good at and giving back to our province at at the individual level. And so so many times I talk to these innovation stories and they're amazing in the oil and gas sector and tech, but it doesn't always touch the consumer. But what I hear, you know, like every consumer in Alberta who goes to the grocery store and buys peppers, cucumbers, tomatoes has an opportunity to be positively impacted by what you guys are doing. And not always does innovation directly work its way down. Like we all benefit from innovation as, 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 as people living here, but you don't always get to pick it up in your hand and taste it, <laughs> literally and figuratively. So I love that it pulls through and that you guys are creating an opportunity for Albertans to actually take part from an investment perspective. Is that, you know, if, if I want to reach out, do I, obviously I can go check out your website, but is it a conversation? Like say I'm listening on the show right now and I'm like, you know what? I'm curious. I'm, I'm looking to diversify my portfolio, but I really like the idea of investing local in something that's already diversified. Is it as simple as a phone call or what, like what's the best path for them to take to get in touch with you? Uh, I definitely recommend checking out our website, enermerge.ca. Uh, and there will be contact uh, email contacts and phone numbers on there. And by all means, okay, give us fantastic. a call. We'd love to chat with you. 
and uh, you, and curious how's how's the flow coming like are, are, now that when people are hearing the story are, is there interest like it it makes a lot of sense to me but I'm kind of I get biased because I'm really enthused about this idea but when you talk to people out there are they are they getting it is there an appetite out in the market for this oh there definitely is you know and um, what we find is is anybody that can actually make it out and have a look at our facility um, uh, there's no going back. <laughs> it's one thing. It's it's, it's, it's <laughs> I like it. It's one thing to look at it on paper and to, to talk about it. Like for example, I have a hard time. Well, now that I spend time in the greenhouse, I understand. But uh, it's hard to envision what exactly 26 acres is. Like how much is it? And, it until is. you actually stand there and look at it, and then you stand there and look at it, and then you look at all the support, the the, the energy center that supports it. Um, you know, and you can look look across the way you can see a gas well that's feeding in um, when you actually stand there and look at it you go holy smokes this is this <laughs> is actually pretty significant so um, we're always open to having having you potential investors to come out and have a look and uh, you'll, you'll be impressed and go lake that's that's a neat that's an easy Calgary road trip that's there's no reason not to go for any my for any of my Calgary listeners but uh, that's fantastic, Brad. Thanks. Thanks so much for the work you're doing. I re this is a really great story. I'm really glad I can get it out there. I like what you guys are doing. I like how much innovation you're creating off the backbone of something we're already good at and then putting it literally into the hands of our of, of, of our population at, at, the at the grocery store or, or wherever you buy your wherever you buy your produce. But Brad, thanks for coming on the show. Good luck with everything. Happy to support. We'll get this story out there. And uh, I'm going to take you up on that. I might wait for the weather to be a little bit nicer just because I know it's inside, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to take you up on that tour and come check things out 100% well, well it's always tropical weather in the greenhouse so <laughs> that's a very that's a that's a very that's a very good point it's always it's always a balmy like how, how warm is it in the greenhouse what's a typical greenhouse temp like I was going to say 35 degrees but I actually don't know what the temperature is yeah it, it varies a little bit but I'd say sort of around 25 degrees on average 25 degrees and and probably relatively humid environment definitely humid point, tropical. yeah and uh, it sneaks up a little hotter in the summer but, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'll, I'll pack my uh, my t-shirt and my flip flops, and we'll do a beach day at the uh, beach day at the, at the greenhouse. Brad, thank Sounds you so great. much for coming on. Thanks for telling your story, and thanks for uh, thanks for this project. I think this is an amazing uh, this is an amazing thing for our province. Well done. Thank yeah. you. Pleasure. Thank you, Tyler. Bye.